The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, like there's no point coming from it and saying, oh, everything's fantastic and it's great and there's no negative sides to it because that's just not the right way to look at it, in my opinion. And it's important that we do realize the negative sides to it because, of course, there are plenty of it, as we all know firsthand. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. Thank you for joining us as always. We have another episode basically from our listeners. So, Graham, are you excited? As per always, I'm excited <laughs> to uh, come here, sit in my room and look at you sitting. Maybe you are about half an hour away in, in a car, but you're sitting in your office I'm sitting in my uh, crappy bedroom that needs a bit of a clean and I need to change the duvet sheets. And you know it when... actually... I can see you your know, bed in the background. It looks filthy. Yeah, I'm not happy with <laughs> it at all. But you know when you leave it... Like, I like to change them on the week. But you know when you might get a bit lazy and it might bleed into maybe 10 days and that kind of an aroma starts to come in the bedroom. <laughs> and then you're kind of at risk. I'm at risk then of my jumpers that are hanging on the back of my door, which you can see. At risk of them starting to smell. So I've got the Febreze over there. I'm starting to smell it, uh, starting to spray it around my room as opposed to just changing my bed sheets because I just feel like I'm too lazy these days but I'll get to it later on you're really painting a good picture for the for the listener right here Graham um I got it well if you want else I got a cowboy hat on um on my wall as well (laughs) and also a a collage of photos where there are a few of Owen and I from our time in Canada together and then afterwards but most importantly the one where we're topless in the bathroom and I'm and we both have uh after getting nosebleeds by accident so um that's one of my favorite photos together. We call each other blood brothers because we both got accidental nosebleeds at the same time, which was just brilliant. Yeah. How do you, so I get my random nosebleeds because I broke my nose like two, two-ish times. Two. Yeah. Why, why do you get yours? I, I broke my nose twice as well, but oh. that's not, that's not why. I was on tablets for my acne called Roaccutane and it just dries out your whole entire body. So you're, skin goes really dry and um one of the side effects is that you get nosebleeds i don't know it must be a thinning of this so your your skin on your face goes really thin as well 
So if you start squeezing your spots, it starts like picking off very easily. And Whoa. for some reason, your nose just starts bleeding randomly. And even when I went off it for years afterwards, my nose bleeds just continued. Now they've stopped now, but that's. What. So were you on that when we were in Canada? Um, yeah, I would. I was initially supposed to be on it for six months because it's supposed to be very dangerous for one, your mental health because uh, it messes with your hormones and two, your liver. So I had to go to the doctor every month to get my liver checked. But So initially it was supposed to be for six months. And then I ended up being on it for two to three years because it took so no long way. to get my acne sorted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it, there's a few yeah. photos in my Facebook archive of me as a 18, 19 year old starting out as a DJ, but having very, very, very bad acne. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that was. You should have started a Roaccutane podcast. I should have. And you can be the producer <laughs> and you can learn all about acne. There's still time. <laughs> and the trials and tribulations. Actually, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned the photos that we had together in Canada because only this week we'll get on to diabetes shortly don't worry um, I mean no one are just but, catching up we haven't chatted in a while yeah yeah no but you know where obviously when we were away we had like certain playlists and songs that we would listen to and anytime you hear them it kind of brings you back to that moment and I'm sure anyone listening right now they have that too where they might listen to a song or an album around a certain time in their life and then if they don't listen to that song for a while, they kind of forget about it. But then when they hear that song again, you're almost physically put back in that place. Can I can I try and anticipate the song you're going to say? You're definitely not. I know the song you're thinking of. You're okay. thinking of Lovebirds, I Want You In My Soul. No, no. Damn. That's our friend Shane. Or maybe yeah. I'm not. Are you thinking of a Cyril Han song? No, I'm thinking of this one. Oh. oh. It's not that one, but I love that song. This one brings you back to, uh, I think, so a few different groups of us went over to Canada. Was this like the song that was playing on your last night for all the lads that you went over to? Is this the right song? No. You're th- that's, so that's Hey Now by London Grammar. You're thinking yeah. of the Disclosure and London Grammar yes. remix. Yes. That's called, oh, what's it called? Anyway. For anybody listening, I'm sure you have that too. But basically, I was, I think I was in the car and a random playlist came. That's the one. Oh, this is the one. Oh, straight away. <laughs> like that just throws me back to eight years ago. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? I apologize for anyone listening being like, will you shut up and start talking about diabetes? <laughs> so what, sorry, what was the song? Cyril Han. Gabrielle something, please don't say you love me, the oh. remix. Oh, you know. It. So yeah, but good. I think we had one of our greatest nights ever um, in the Academy in Dublin with Cyril Han, Annie Mack and Duke Dumont. Yes. And you exactly got it. Did, was it Cyril Han that you got the picture? No, with? it was Duke Dumont. Duke Dumont. Yeah. That was just after we had come home. Yeah, so we were in Canada and we went to see Duke Dumont. And I think you got a picture with Duke Dumont. And then we went to see him in Ireland and you brought along the picture with you to the crowd, (laughs) held it up. And he was like, yeah, yeah, man, it was the crack. Yeah, because in Canada, we had gone to a small gig, I suppose to paint the picture. We had gone to a relatively small gig and Duke Dumont, like he was, he's massive now, but he wasn't really that big at the time, I suppose. But I jumped up onto the stage and went behind the DJ deck expecting to get kicked out. But 
put my arm around him and he was like, oh, how's it going like this? We're like, we love you in Ireland. We love you in Ireland. So and then, speak, speaking of people who were small before they got massive, the night that we landed over, we landed in maybe a couple of days before you, but we were so jet lagged from our flight from Dublin to Vancouver. Disclosure were playing in Vancouver and we were like, oh, we don't really know. They kind of released one song and we're like, oh, it's a good song. And then that summer, they just exploded. And then their song became the song of the summer. Yeah. I was like, oh they, They've now sold out Madison Square Garden on a, a couple yeah. concerts, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, tune in next week. That's... <laughs> yeah. We're I apologize. I, we're rambling. We're rambling. Owen and I talk about the time we went to Malta together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's now just a holidays podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we need to reminisce. Right, we're right get let's into get it. into it. Couple of emails here. And we have regular listener Alan Edwards sending in an email and the subject line Dexcom and the 2020 rule. And Alan says, hi, Owen and Graham. I've been learning a lot about diabetes from the weekly podcast and Owen's informational Instagram posts. Yes, if you do listen to this and you don't follow Owen, give him a follow on Instagram at Insulone. Uh, that's not Alan saying that. That's me, of course. That'd be great publicity from Alan <laughs> if he's putting it in his email. Yeah. I've learned things that no one in the medical field has ever told me. So I feel like I've got a lot more tools in my diabetes tool bag. For the last few months, I've been having problems with my Dexcom CGM. My Dexcom readings have been way lower than my blood glucose readings. Even though I was told that I could determine my fast acting insulin bolus from the Dexcom, I never have. I've always taken blood glucose readings even when I thought my BGM was reading higher. I did get a new BGM. The old one burnt itself out. And the readings from the new BGM, same brand as the old one, seem more accurate as they closely match readings from other BGM brands I have. But I still continue to have problems with my Dexcom. Can I just clarify, for anybody that doesn't understand what BGM is, that's blood glucose monitor rather than CGM, which is continuous glucose monitor. So that's the finger pricking yeah. as opposed to the mm-hmm. machine on your arm, for want of a better word. <laughs> Not machine. <laughs> I finally called Dexcom support and they asked me if I knew about the 2020 rule. I hadn't heard of it, so the Dexcom support person explained it. The 2020 rule is if your blood glucose is above 80 milligrams per deciliter, then your Dexcom reading should be within 20%, plus or minus, of the blood glucose reading. If your blood glucose is 80 milligrams per deciliter or below, the Dexcom reading should be within 20 milligrams per deciliter, plus or minus, of the blood glucose reading. I'm in the US, so I don't know if they have a different rule for millimole per litre, but it might be the same, just divide by 18. The Dexcom support person said that the CGM is supposed to automatically adjust when it senses that it's getting anomalous readings. I've seen the Dexcom app and receiver display a message saying that it may take from 20 minutes to 3 hours to reconnect. I assume that this is when the Dexcom is correcting itself. I was told that if I have a sensor that continues to not read correctly to call Dexcom support, I'm assuming that they will replace it as they have in the past. I'm not sure if you have any kind of experience with this or if you've gotten similar information, but I thought I'd let you know what I was told. I look forward to continuing to learn new information about diabetes. And that is from Alan in Bloomington, Indiana, USA. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate you reaching out and I'm clapping because... That's the beauty of the podcast. I'm learning something from the listeners and hopefully the listeners are learning something from the podcast. I had, I actually wasn't aware of the fact that there was a term or a, let's call it a formula used to 
keep track of the discrepancies or inaccurate readings with a Dexcom. So the fact that there's a 2020 rule, and Alan has explained it quite well there, we'll kind of go through it just to make sense of it, yeah. just to break it down for people, because I, I even want to go through it myself. But good to know that they have a, I suppose, essentially a formula to keep track of it. Right, so let's try and break that down so we can make sense of it for ourselves and for the listener. So Alan said the 2020 rule is, correct me if I'm wrong, Graham, is your blood glucose, if it's above 80 milligrams per deciliter, yeah. then the Dexcom reading should be within 20% plus or minus. That's the one, yeah. Okay, so what that means then, let's just do it in milligrams first. So if your blood sugar is above 80 milligrams per deciliter, it can be 20% above that or 20% below that, give or take. So that would mean that the difference of your blood sugar as an accurate reading, if your Dexcom CGM says 80 milligrams per deciliter, you could potentially be 107 blood sugar yeah. or let's see the maths 80 or 53 correct so that's a it's a pretty big gap but that's basically what he's saying isn't it yeah so if you're above let's use a different example if you're above 80 so let's use 135 as an example so if you use milligrams per deciliter and your blood sugar says 135. Because you are above 80 milligrams per deciliter at 135, that could mean that your blood sugar in reality could be 20% higher or 20% lower. So that could mean if you're looking at your screen and your Dexcom says 135, you could actually be 162 or you could actually be 108. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, to translate that over into what I would use, or if you are listening and you use millimoles per liter, 80 milligrams per deciliter divided by 18, which is how you calculate deciliter to millimole per liter, equals 4.4. So if my blood sugar is above 4.4, so let's use the example of 7.5. If I open up my phone, I look at my Dexcom and it says 7.5, potentially my blood sugar could be, in reality, 20% above or 20% below. Mm -hmm. And 20% of 7.5 is 1.5. So... If my Dexcom, now this is purely just for Dexcom, as Alan is pointing out. If your Dexcom is saying 7.5, because you're over 4.4, that 20% rule seems to apply. So okay. you could be 9, or you could be 6, because that's 20% above or below. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense? Yeah. Now... This is the first time I'm hearing about it, so it's actually interesting to 
have someone email in about it because I wasn't even fully aware of this. So it's interesting to learn about it. And what was the last, what was the other one? He said, if you're below. About if you're below. So read that out again. So if your blood glucose is 80 milligrams per deciliter or below, the Dexcom reading should be within 20 milligrams per deciliter plus or minus of the blood glucose reading. Okay. So basically to make sense of that, it's kind of the opposite. So if your blood sugar is 80 milligrams per deciliter or below, you could be plus or minus 20. So you could, in reality, be 100 or 60. Okay, yeah. And then again, to translate that over into millimoles per liter, which is what I use, if your blood sugar on your Dexcom says you're sitting at 4.4, the plus or minus of the 20 milligrams per deciliter equates into 1.1 millimoles per liter. So... If you're 4.4, you could in reality be 5.5 or 3.33. I've been taking notes and watching this. And I understand that it might be a lot to take in just listening to it. So I'd actually recommend if you want to go back and actually listen again and kind of just take your notes. Because I I understand and I think Owen is aware as well that there's a lot of figures being thrown at you there. And you kind of, to make sense of it, I'd say write it down. But... It's definitely, once you kind of see it in front of you, 20% and 20, it kind of makes more sense when you actually see it on paper. So, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we fully appreciate that we're kind of banging loads of words and numbers out here. Might not make sense. You could be out on a walk. You could be in the gym. You could be driving. But even listen back over that because it is important. It is interesting to know. And again, it's something that I always preach on this podcast is the fact that the tech that we use to monitor our bloods will likely never be 100% accurate. So if you have that vague idea of I could potentially be sitting slightly higher or slightly lower, you're not then fully relying on that reading you have at that time. Because from my own experience, even personally, it's never 100% accurate. Because when we do a finger prick test, that's physically our blood whereas a cgm is going to be an interstitial fluid which isn't exactly our blood so it might not be as accurate first off but also when we have a cgm on it's not really giving us an exact live reading it's always playing catch up by about five ten kind of minutes so you could be looking at your blood sugar from five minutes ago or you know, you get you get the you get the yeah. point that I'm trying yeah. to make. But look, I'm extremely grateful for the CGM that I have, and it's a game changer. It opens your eyes completely to how your overnights are, how your insulin timing is so important, how different foods affect your blood sugar at different rates, how exercise affects your blood sugar. So, of course, they're not not going to be 100% accurate all the time, but they're fantastic tools, and I'm extremely grateful to have one thank you for that one alan we'll move on to mary who sends us in the next one mary lennon and entitled maya's episode it's a short one but mary says hi Owen. i just listened to your podcast with maya wow it was so nice to hear a story i'm almost four months in i think and my story is very similar i had covid and my diabetes symptoms started the same week 
I've also planned to kick diabetes ass and show it who's boss. If you're ever needing a guest, I'd love to chat about it. Everyone else is sick of me talking about it. Keep up the good work. And that is from Mary. Unreal. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate you getting in touch. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. And yeah, I'd actually love to know more about that story because I know we've said on here before, Maya's episode and Maya's story is one of the most referred to. Mm -hmm. Most people have kind of got that like, whoa, sort of factor from that episode because it's so insane. And after hearing Maya's story firsthand from her and even just getting this email from Mary, it's kind of like my diagnosis was pretty easy then because I wasn't diagnosed with COVID at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I can, I can only imagine how difficult the two of those things are to deal with at the same time. So Mary, I hope the podcast is helping so far. I'll get Graham to get in touch with you an episode we'd love to have you on yeah and yeah best of luck with it all and i'm sure i will chat to you personally soon look forward to it next up we have ian and ian says yo in his subject line yo Yo, hey bro i love the podcast it's gone from me listening to them on after meal walks to boring the crap out of everyone else at work by having them on in the background while working on site a few things about type 1 diabetes that i've realized in my short time with it is one it pisses me off (laughs) <laughs> Two, it gets in the way of my life. Three, it's made me eat healthier. Oh my God, an actual plus, he says. And four, I don't actually hate it anymore. I've started to look at diabetes as a little brother. An absolute pain in the ass, but a love-hate relationship. Type 1 diabetes has actually made me healthier, but since using insulin, I've put on so much weight. I always used to be middle-of-the-road fitness-wise, but with my job, the weight seems to have piled on. I'm a field service engineer and always driving. Every day is different. Some days I'm sitting at a laptop, others I'm mauling heavy shit 12 hours straight. Because of this, my levels are like a roller coaster. Getting a pump in CGM has helped, but not because of the tech, more the fact I'm now micromanaging food. Because before I'd be like meh and just wait a few hours after food and see. One question I have is do you have any tips for living with type 1 diabetes and always being in hotels with unpredictable work? I'm also trying to commit to working out, but every time I try to commit, work gets in the way. And add to the fact I hate people seeing my tech and it's making me shy in the gym. My second question, and don't hate me for asking this, but here it goes. I have some holidays coming up and I want to spend a lot of time in the gym. I plan on removing the Omnipod and running quite higher than usual to one Stop lows while training, would you agree? And two, if the fuel can't get into my bloods, then I'm going to burn more of what's stored. Is that right? I only came across your Insta page by pure fluke because someone liked one of your posts, but I just wanted to say I find your podcast very easy to listen to, and I love the fact I can relate to so much of your stuff. Cheers, and that is from Ian. Now, there's a good bit in there. Oh, we'll have to kind of break that piece by piece, but what's your initial reaction to Ian? Yeah, there's a good bit in there and I appreciate you getting in touch as always. And I'm glad that the podcast has helped out so far because I get the impression he is new to it. As he said, things I've realized with my short time with it. So that's obviously the first thing that's jumped out at me. And I think Ian listed four different things. And the first two were kind of negative. And then the second two were almost positive yeah and i think that well that jumped out at me because obviously that's 
a big theme that kind of runs through this podcast is the idea of, yes, of course, there are positive parts to diabetes that we always like to try and point out, but it's also important to point out the negative sides to it. And I've said on even a number of different podcasts I've been a guest on is the idea of being realistically positive with diabetes. Like there's no point coming from it and saying, oh, everything's fantastic and it's great. And there's no negative sides to it because that's that's just not the right way to look at it, in my opinion. And it's important that we do realize the negative sides to it because, of course, there are plenty of it, as we all know firsthand. But then with those negatives that you're kind of being realistic and then realistically positive is you're acknowledging the negatives, but then also being able to point out, highlight and try to focus on the positives, which Ian has done. He said it's made him eat healthier, which seems to be a very, very similar response with a lot of people with type one. Of course, your relationship with food can become so different, but a lot of the time it can lead to you actually eating better foods because you quickly realize the benefits of quote unquote good foods, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit, water, fueling your body with good types of food. And you realize that quickly when you, when you get type one. Another thing Ian said was he doesn't hate it anymore. And he looks at his diabetes kind of like a, a little brother. And that jumped out at me because there was a client that I was working with a while ago, really nice guy. And he has had diabetes for a long time now, but somebody he was speaking to professionally had said to him that his diabetes is, and he was telling me this and he was saying they had pointed out almost his diabetes was a teenager that he had to look after. Mm. And it was kind of like, it's constantly annoying you and it's frustrating you. And sometimes it feels as if it's out to get you, but you still have to care for it as much as it annoys you. <laughs> That's a great analogy. And it can be niggling at you and pissing you off, as Ian says, but you can't get away from it. So you still have to give it that constant attention without fully obsessing over it. But the analogy of your diabetes, kind of like a teenager, stood out to me because it's so true. It's kind of mm. constantly just niggling at you, but you have to always look after it. Remind me, what else did he say? Sorry, there was loads in that email. He was looking for tips because he has a job which he it's not consistent. So sometimes he's in a hotel and mm. the work can be very unpredictable. So do you have any advice for how to look after blood sugars that go all over the place? Yeah. So with that, for me, and again, I always point out that how I would treat certain situations is what I would do personally from my own experience. This isn't me telling you what to do. But from my experience, when I am out of my typical routine, and as we all know, diabetes loves routine. The more predictable your day is, the more predictable your food is, your exercise is, inevitably the easier things are to manage. But with our life and while we live it, we're rarely going to be in that set routine all the time. So what we do when we're out of that routine, when things are hectic, is just as important as what we do in the routine. So the first thing that I always look at when I am out of my routine is what I'm eating and when I'm eating. 
what affects your blood sugar more than anything in the world is the food that you eat. That's it's just like the food you eat, the insulin you take. That's what has the biggest and most immediate effect on your blood sugar. So when I am out of my routine, I try to simplify what I eat as best as I can. Now, what I mean by that is instead of me going away and eating a lot of crappy food all the time and kind of getting lost in the insulin that I'm taking and the food that I'm eating and why is this blood sugar here high and why is this low and you just things can just kind of become a mess of course when I go away or I'm out of a routine I enjoy what I do I enjoy my trips and my food and these kind of things but if I can simplify my food first of all that's what helps keep me in check blood sugar wise so if I can make a small decision like Instead of getting a burger and chips tonight for dinner, can I get a burger and half chips and a salad? Or can I get a full salad? Or can I drink water instead of Coke? These simple decisions or adjustments go a long way blood sugar wise. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Ian is living in a hotel, eating crappy food all the time. But from my experience, when we're out of a routine, what takes the first hit and what has the biggest impact on our bloods is the food that we're eating and the times in which we're eating them. So if you look at your food, and I would always personally try and prioritize a lot of veg, a lot of fruit, try and still get my protein in on trips. I know that's not going to cause too much difficulty with my bloods. And in terms of being out of routine, and trying to get consistency in a gym workout. Do you have any advice for that? You just keep on thinking that work is getting in the way. Well, that can depend on what his work schedules are like. And I know if, if things are a bit all over the place, it's hard to predict and hard to plan. But in my opinion, no matter what you're doing, some sort of exercise or movement should be fit into your day, regardless of how busy you are. We all can fit in 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, even just a walk, even a few squats or push-ups or sit-ups in our room. Some sort of movement where possible is always a good idea. So Ian's schedule could be late nights, early mornings, all over the place during the week, which can be difficult to plan. But if he has any set day or any set time during a day that he can say, right, this is 20, 30 minutes. For me, I can go for a walk. I can do a few squats. I can do push-ups, whatever it might be. Go to the hotel gym. Movement, exercise, and food, if I'm out of a routine, are always those kind of core principles that I'll try and still prioritize in any way that I can. So it could be just a 10, 15-minute walk. And Ian does have this holiday coming up, and he says he really does want to commit himself to the gym. But removing his Omnipod to run a bit higher, he's asking, do you agree with that? Absolutely not. I know why Ian is considering it, because if we don't have insulin, and I think he pointed it out in the email, if we don't have insulin in our body, we can't get the nutrients from our food into our cells to use that as energy. So when we can't use the food that we're eating as energy, our body is going to essentially kind of eat at what we have stored for energy. That's why pre-diagnosis, you lose so much weight because you don't have any insulin. 
You can't open up your cells, get the energy from your food. Your body's eating at what it's stored, essentially. But if you're looking to reduce your insulin to lose weight, it's just not it's just not a good idea. First of all, it's very unhealthy. Second of all, you're going to feel terrible because your bloods are going to be consistently high. Now, I don't know how long term he's referring to, but I just wouldn't advise it at all, just for general health reasons. And also, if you lose weight quickly and let's call it not losing it the right way, not, not losing it in a healthy way, you're just going to put it back on straight away. If you want to be successful in losing weight long term and sticking to it, you need to understand how it works. You need to understand the exercise to do, the food to eat, the sleep to prioritize, the, the water to prioritize. If you do these things, well, if you skip these things and look for a quick fix, it's not going to be long term. And it's important that if you are serious about losing weight or you are serious about building muscle, understanding how to do it properly is the most important thing. Because if you understand how to do it, you can do it long term. You can work with somebody professionally. You can train with your friend, keep you accountable to it, whatever it might be. But it takes time. You're not going to lose 50 pounds in a week. It's unrealistic. So doing something that you enjoy, first of all, exercise wise, can keep you doing it for longer. But also if you understand how to do it, it's important. That's perfect. Owen, thank you very much. I hope some of that was of interest to you, Ian. And Ian, you seem to be um, newly diagnosed and out there trying to find information. So I'm sure it will be of some benefit. Thank you again, Owen. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody who emailed. And as we always say, the Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions like Ian had, if you just wanted to comment on an episode like Mary did, or if you want to share some information that you found that maybe someone else might benefit from like Alan did do get us on that email just go into the description of this episode and you can click straight onto the link and it'll bring you to your email app absolutely thank you everybody who emailed in today Alan Mary Ian much appreciated love that you got in touch love that you listened to the podcast and for anybody again who is considering getting in touch or getting a question in please do it we've loads coming in we love seeing them the more that we get in, the better. And also, if you're sending in an email, we're still catching up with some left in the inbox. But if you're sending in an email and you have, say, an Instagram account, drop your at or your social name because we'll tag you in our podcast posts. And then you'll know that your question specifically has yeah. been answered. Because sometimes we do fall a little bit behind because so many are coming in. So you might have sent an email today, but we mightn't get to it for a couple of weeks. So it would be great to get that little notification on Instagram just so you then know, oh, that's my episode. Absolutely. And as always, thank you for your time. Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after those bloods. And I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy. Bye. Take it easy, Ryan. <laughs>